0: 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And as we get into this study, we're going to work our way through this whole chapter. And today we're going to be talking about teams. Teams. what it looks like to be a part of a body of believers who are serving and ministering to each other and to the outsiders who come to be a part of the things that are happening here. And so as we talk about way, first, I want to think about ways to serve before we really jump into the the message itself. Um, did you guys know that it takes a lot of work for church to happen on Sundays? How many of you guys were aware of that? A lot of people are involved. A lot of people behind the scenes that you will uh, never see them doing those things. There are people that come in and that make sure the building is clean. There are people that get here early, make sure the building is unlocked, and that air conditioning is running, amen? <laughs> Happy summer, it's coming, right? If anyone's like me, it's like 75 degrees, and you're like, it's too hot in here, okay? Uh, you don't have to do anything, don't have to... <laughs> i got to be careful what I say because people adjust things based on me, and that's fine. Uh, what, but what we have, we have, as you came in the door, hopefully you received a warm welcome, our First Impressions team. Um, we have, as you come in, uh, how many of you have you have young kids, nursery age, elementary age, you have kids that are, that are here with you today? Um, a handful of us, right? And so your kids, if you've noticed, um, we are able to actually come in together and talk today, um, something that's very difficult to do with two- and three-year-olds running around. And so we have nursery workers. We have uh, kids ministry leaders who are opening up the Bible and helping kids to learn at their age level an, an appropriate lesson for where they are in their life. And so we're excited for all of those things. But all of those things take people to make the work go. Even today, as we came together and we worshiped, we had a half a dozen people, a little more than that, up here on the platform, and they were leading us in worship. Well, you know, it takes time to practice and to learn those instruments. It takes time to learn those songs. It takes time to come together and be able to to together sit down and work through and practice and then come together and get here early to make sure that microphones are on and lights are working and that streaming is going, that there are words on the screen, okay? It takes people to make all of these things go. And so as we come together here today, as we open up um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, I, I want you to be thinking in the back of your mind, how can I serve? How can I be a part of the team? Because the fact is, is that all of those things that we just talked about and many more are blessings that come of being a part of the body. And can I say this even before, just by way of introduction, it's a blessing to be able to serve, right? It's a blessing to be able to serve, Is it a blessing to be served? Well, sure, at times, right? Uh, But it's a blessing to be able to serve and to minister. God grows us through our service to others. We build relationships through our service to others. We are matured through our service to others. And so as we are looking at this, let me tell you, you say, well, it takes a lot of people. and There's a lot of people that are involved. Yes. Awesome. Great. We love that. But there's always room for more. There's always room for more. Uh, we had to recently uh, expand our nursery, right? Um, Can anyone take a guess? Does that take more volunteers, team members, or fewer? (laughs) Uh, We are on the verge of needing to, uh, with our elementary kids, uh, divide up space. We always need more team members for both of those areas because with more people, with more kids, it means more work to be done, right? And so... As we talk about, as we look at all these things, be praying about, be considering, how would God have me to use my gifts within the body of Christ? Um, we're going to jump in right here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I want to begin just by reading the first few verses of this chapter. Verse number one says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. And so at the very beginning, he's speaking of how the Spirit of God influences our life. And he says, no one can say, no one can confess, no one can live in such a way that they say that Jesus is Lord unless the spirit of God is working in their hearts and the spirit of God is doing something within them. And this is uh, speaking of what you and I would probably call salvation. Or being born again. This is when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We turn from death to life. And we believe that Jesus came, that he died, was buried, and rose again for our sins. And so this is what we are looking at as they're saying Jesus is Lord. We're saying he's Lord of all. He's the creator of everything, and he's Lord of me. And so as that confession is made, that's our first indication. That's the first gift, if you will, of the Spirit. But he continues to write about spiritual gifts. And when he speaks of spiritual gifts, what is he referring to? Watch verse number four. He says there are a variety of gifts. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And as we really press into what this is meaning, I want to look at verse number seven, and then we'll kind of back up and we'll we'll go again. He says this, To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And so what are spiritual gifts? When we speak of spiritual gifts, what is he talking about? These are what Paul would call a manifestation of the spirit. This is God's power working in and through us for a specific purpose. Now, understand then this is not necessarily the same thing as talents, but here's what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are given to believers for the purpose of strengthening the body and glorifying God. Spiritual gifts are given to believers for the purpose of strengthening the body and glorifying God. What body are we talking about? When we say the body, the body is what? It's the church. The church. Not the building, the people that make up the gathering of believers. And so spiritual gifts are given to believers for the purpose of... Making money for the purpose of increasing our own renown and our own name and title and influence for the purpose of strengthening the body, glorifying God, strengthening the body, glorifying God. That's what we're going to see throughout this chapter on repeat. These spiritual gifts are given for these two reasons. Now, i leave this up here for just a second, Mike, because here's what I want you to notice about this statement and what we're going to find here. We're going to find that spiritual gifts are given to who? To believers. They're given to believers, to those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. And this is where they would be different than a talent, Would someone who does not confess Jesus, who is not a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of his, would they be given spiritual gifts? Well, no. Spiritual gifts are for believers, for the strengthening of the body and the glorifying of God. And so there is a distinction within the scripture of spiritual gifts and natural abilities. Does that mean that no unbeliever is has any natural ability? Well, obviously not. We would never say something like that. But spiritual gifts are a gift to the church through you and me. And so they come together for the strengthening of the body, for the glory of God. Now, if you go throughout the Bible, there are three primary passages that speak to spiritual gifts. Um, most spiritual gifts you'll find through some lists in the book of Romans, chapter number 12, right here in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 12, as well as Ephesians, chapter number 4. In each of these instances, the Apostle Paul writes, and he writes to churches, and he speaks to them about how they should function together as a body. And as some people, as they read through the Bible, most lists, most people find either 15 or 16, there's a little disagreement on how some should be categorized, little things like that, but they find 15 or 16 spiritual gifts that the Bible specifically talks about in these passages. We find gifts of leadership, gifts of administration, gifts of teaching, gifts of knowledge, of wisdom, prophecy, discernment, exhortation shepherding, faith, evangelism, apostleship, service, mercy, giving, hospitality. And so these are things, we're going to see many of these here in the chapter as we press into it. But as we go into this, I want to be very clear that just because something is not your gift, that's not an excuse for not following a command of God. Uh, let me give you an example. You, you can't go up and say, my gift is not evangelism. You see, when we talk about the gift of evangelism, how many of you have ever been around someone that it's just easy for them to talk about Jesus? You've just been around someone and it just spews out of their mouth. They're like, yep, Jesus, boom. You're like, whoa, I don't even, you don't even know my name. I don't even know your name. You're just, wow, you're just in this talking about Jesus. God has just given you this gift to be able to articulate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Beautiful thing. Now, for you, it may be more difficult to have a conversation about Jesus. Does that mean that you don't have to do it? Does that mean that you don't have to do it? No, that's not what it means at all. You see, God gave some that have a specific gifting towards, but because it's not your gift doesn't mean you are exempt from following out the commands of Scripture. And so just because you say, well, listen, my gift, it's not hospitality, it doesn't mean you don't need to be hospitable. Okay, maybe we won't stick to you as a greeter, uh, but it doesn't mean you don't need to be hospitable. You might say, well, my gift, it's not giving. Well, it doesn't mean you don't need to be generous. You see, gifting means that this is an area that God has specifically given you a blessing in for the purpose of the building up of the body. And so as we look at this passage, what we see first and foremost is the source of our gifting. These gifts aren't brought about by our natural ability. You and I can't just look around and say, look how talented I am, because these gifts are It's in the word gifts, which means this, they don't originate with you. They don't originate with you. You can't go around bragging about how great you are, and I can't go around bragging about how great I am, first of all, because it's not true, right? Second of all, because everything that we have is a gift, And so as we look at this gift and we need to look at the source of the gifting, first, our spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit of God. Spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit of God. They're not given by any other source. They're not just learned abilities. These are gifts that God gives for the purpose of the carrying out of the work of God. These are not what you and I might call natural abilities. They're much more like supernatural abilities, not in the way that you're suddenly like, wow, okay, so I have the gift and I can go lift you know heavy things. I can jump over, build it. No, 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 no. We're not talking about the, the manifestation, but we are talking about the source that these come from because they have a supernatural source, as God gives these gifts to the body for the purpose of our growth in his glory. And as we continue reading, let's look at verse number 5. Because he speaks of the variety of gifts in verse 4, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Watch as he continues to write. And so what we see as we look at this passage, we find a unity of the gifts. Now, when we speak of a unity of gifts, does that mean that everyone has the same gifts? How many of you, um, any sports fans, sports fans? Come on, guys, you can be proud of that. It's all right. Sports fans? All right, still six of you. Cool. All right, great. The rest of you, just try to keep up. Um, In a sports team, I like team sports. I don't watch a whole lot of individual sports, but I love team sports. When it comes to team sports, um, let's take football for example. How many people have to be good at throwing the ball on a football team? One, right? Ideally, one. How many people have to be good at catching the ball on a football team? Maybe, you know, a dozen. You know, you got your linebackers, your secondary, your wide receivers, a tight end or two. Dozen, depending on the the league you're in, right? How many people need to be um, big, massive, strong guys that can push other people around? Well, more of them, right? (laughs) How many of them on a team, how many need to be able to kick a football? Two, if you have a kicker and a punter, right? They're not the same person. So as this team goes out there, could you imagine if um if there was just a we're just gonna redraft the whole nfl and then all of a sudden uh pick number one quarterback well obviously okay quarterback yep okay good and then round number two te- comes in that same team let's say the lions because this sounds like a very lions thing to do um round number two comes they pick quarterback wait a second round number three comes all right lions picks on the board quarterback All right, we go through all the rounds, and all of a sudden, we have a roster of 90-something individuals, and they are all quarterbacks. How is that game going to (laughs) go? How how is that going to look when you see a bunch of quarterbacks going out there and trying to block against defensive ends? How how is that going to match up? But wait a second. These quarterbacks might be the most talented guys on the field, but they're not working within their gifting, are they? They're trying to do a job that's for someone else to do. So a good team is one that has a quarterback that can go out there and he knows the plays. He can call them and he can deliver the ball where it's supposed to go. Uh, A good team is one that has an offensive line that's able to protect the quarterback and allow them to not get hit. If you're a Lions player, you might not know what that looks like. Okay. You might have to change the channel and find some. So uh, moving on. You have to have the right people in the right places accomplishing the work. Now, does that mean that the team is disunified because there's a variety of skills in place? Is that what that means? No. No. They all have the same objective, which is what? To get that football in the end zone more than your opponent. That's that's the goal. And so everyone does their own job. Some of them are sitting on the bench while the rest of them are doing their jobs and they're rotating in and out. Does that mean that they're not unified because this person is over here while this person is working? No. They all have the same goal in mind and they all work together to accomplish that goal. So it is with the body of Christ. Because you see, as this, as all of these gifts are given, who gives all of these gifts? The spirit. The Spirit gives all of these gifts. God gives all of these gifts. And so are we disunified because our gifts are different? No. The same individual, the same person, the Spirit of God is giving all of these gifts. And you know what God calls us to and doesn't call us to? He calls us to be unified, not uniform. To be unified, not uniform. I believe truly in this variety of gifts. First of all, because it's biblical. Second of all, we see clearly through just creation that God loves variety. You say, okay, Nate, well, show me the Bible where God loves variety. And I would say, okay, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. Um, You see how God has created and given these variety of gifts. But even if we were just to back up for a minute and just observe the creation that God has placed in front of us, how many different colors are even represented just in this room today? mean could you name them all if we were to go around the room we say well that's pink but that's also pink but it's a little bit different we see the variety of colors that exist we hear a variety of sounds and even today we heard these musicians who came up and did a wonderful job taking the chaos of noise and focusing that and playing that together in a unified way but was the guitar playing the same note as the keyboard and were they always playing the same no no Were they playing complementary? Hopefully, right? (laughs) They were. Were all of the vocalists singing the same notes? No, because there's something that God created called harmony, where a variety can come together and work together and function in a beautiful way. And even as we look around, as we go out of this place today, you're going to see all kinds of plants. You're going to go home to your cats and your dogs and your fish and whatever other animals you have, and you're going to see a variety of animals. Even if you look across this room today, you're going to see a variety of people. You're going to see even beyond the superficial. You're going to find a variety of motivations. A variety of desires, a variety of life experiences, of all kinds of variety, no two people are exactly alike. Even if you take twins who are genetically identical, so often they can be such different people, right? Because God has created you and I unique. And are we called to be unified? Yes. But that doesn't mean we're all called to be uniform. It doesn't mean that we are all called to have the same job and the same perspective and the same ideas and ideals. We are called to be unified in the direction that we are going in, but that's not to say that there is not variety among the body of believers. Let's even go a step further. Would you say that a body is not unified because the parts have different functions? So we talked about the sports teams, and some of you guys followed along with that, and some of you goes, what in the world? Some of the, what in the world is a tight end, okay? Um, ask Brian. He'll explain it to you later, okay? But could you imagine a body that itself is not unified? Um, we had the, the Olympics, right? Anybody remember the Olympics? It wasn't that long ago, right? Um, my wife and my daughters, they love watching the gymnastics in the Olympics, They love watching um, these men and women just go out onto this platform or whatever they're competing in and just do these incredible twists and turns and twirls and feats of strength. And I look at it, and I feel tired. I feel dizzy. You know what I have to do is I have to go get a snack to help me recover from watching the gymnastics. But could you imagine uh, as these people go out here, could you imagine if all of a sudden their hand said, you know what, I don't want to be a hand anymore. I want to be an ear. <laughs> I just want to hear. <laughs> I don't want to be a hand. The hands get all, uh gymnast's hands get all calloused and rough, and I don't want to do that. I want to be something that doesn't have to carry that kind of weight. I want to be the ear. That's not how it works. Could you imagine if the hand all of a sudden decided, I don't want to do this anymore, and stopped functioning. Well, now that gymnast is no longer able to function as a whole, Because a part of the body is not working in conjunction. But the amount of skill and the amount of dexterity, the the number of body parts that have to come together, as even just think of these twists and twirls as the arms, the torso, the legs, the feet, all of the body has to, in precise timing, perform all of these complex acts, and each piece of the body is doing something differently. Or uh, recently, in the last couple of years, a Japanese company developed a robot that's capable of shooting uh, basketballs. And so you can place a basketball in the hand of this robot. You can tell it how far away it is from the basket and it'll do all the measurements and it'll precisely, I mean, you can back this thing up to half court. And if everything is input correctly, if the environment's just right, that thing can just pop up a shot and go right through the basket. It's incredible. This act of engineering. Uh, but, you know, the human body, if you watch some of these NBA players, uh, these people who just, they've practiced their whole life to be able to do this, it's incredible because they can be moving and they can have a hand in their face and yet their eyes are able to look and to say, this is where the ball needs to go. Their legs are able to function in such a way that they're able to elevate themselves above the competition. Their hands are able to get into the position and they're able to take that shot. But it takes the entire body working in conjunction to be able to accomplish that task. And so as we look at this, we have to understand that the whole body is involved in the process of movement. Or maybe we could say it this way the whole body is involved in the process of accomplishing the mission. Since you came in here today, most of us came in here unassisted. And there are times and there are seasons of life, and there are those who maybe have, their abilities are different. And certain parts of the body do not function the way that they ought to, and so they need assistance in the form of a walker or a wheelchair or a cane or whatever that may be. But most of us have the blessing of walking into this building of our own volition. Praise God for that. But even as we did so, it's a complicated process, one that many of us don't fully appreciate until we don't have it, right? It takes the body working together in conjunction to be able to do the things that we set out to do it. And one of the most frustrating things in our life is when the body, when our body doesn't do the things that we want it to do, right? If you've played sports, you've been in the place where you've run and now you're exhausted and you just want to be able to pass the ball, but your arms just feel like they aren't going to work anymore. You just want to chase down that uh, opposing player and your legs are just saying, "Uh, nope, nope, we're out of here. It's a frustrating thing. And then as we age so many times, our body just doesn't do the things that we remember it doing before. Or we pay the price for doing what we thought we could do before. But the whole body is involved in the process of movement. Think of of an ankle. How many of you guys, you woke up this morning just thinking about your ankle? All right, a couple of you. Um, Sorry. Most of us, you didn't get up and you're like, ah, oh, my ankle, you know, unless something happened. When do we notice it? When something happens to our ankle, right? Uh, but if I were to say, okay, let's go, uh, let's go run together. Let's go for a jog together. And you twisted your ankle. Is the ankle a big part of the body or a little one? I mean, just like proportionally speaking, I mean, it's relatively small, right? You're looking at about yay big, you know, a joint, a few muscles, relatively minor compared to the complexities of the brain. Okay, go run a race on a sprained ankle. Anyone up for that? Uh, go, go do something competitive, do something physical with a broken ankle, with a broken foot. It's not happening, is it? It's not happening. Every once in a while, you'll hear the story about so-and-so athlete, um, and there's one NFL player who he was born with a genetic defect, and he doesn't have one of his hands, and he made it all the way to the NFL. Incredible story, inspiring story, right? Just watching him play, he's so aggressive and tenacious, and he did all of it while missing a body part. Awesome. But we understand that when a body part is not functioning the way that it's designed to function, that's a loss for the rest of the body. That's a loss for the rest of the body. And so the whole body is actively involved in the process of movement and the process of accomplishing the mission. And so then how do we find unity between the ankle and the ear and the elbow? How do we find unity in all of those things? We find unity in our unique Roles. Watch verse number 12 with me. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks. Now understand what he's doing here. He's saying there's unity, and wherever you came from before that, doesn't matter. He's saying there are Jews and Greeks. You can be of different races, backgrounds, ethnicities, doesn't matter. Slaves or free. He's taking really and tackling the two largest dichotomies in the culture that he's writing to. He's saying, "Hmm, what are polar opposites? Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. Those are opposites. Those are opposites that everyone in this uh, reading is going to understand. And he's saying it doesn't matter which of those you are. It doesn't matter if you are wealthy or if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you have the greatest education or you didn't finish high school. It doesn't matter where you are. We are unified through the Spirit of God. And watch as he continues here. All were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Uh, If the whole body were an ear, Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so as we look at this thing, we find unity within the unique roles that God has placed us in. We find unity within these things. Because you see here, the head is an important part of our body. I had a fascinating conversation uh, with one of our members this morning about some procedures that he has gone through and how they've had to do brain surgery. And I was just dumbfounded by the things that we're able to do. It's incredible. Incredible. But you know, at the same time, our whole body can't be a brain, right? There has to be a hand that can do the moving There has to be feet that can walk. There have to be lungs that can breathe and a heart that can beat. All of these things come together for the purpose of glorifying the body. And you can't just say, you know what? I'm a foot and I don't want to be a foot no more. So I'm going to be a hand or I'm going to be nothing. That's not how it works. Who gave us these gifts and these roles within the body? gave us these gifts and these roles within the body the spirit of God did I didn't you didn't the spirit of God did and so we can look at others gifts and when we see the gifts of others really there are, we're going to get to this in just a moment but when we look at the gifting of others and we look at our own gifting we have a couple of different options available to us number one we can behave like the uh grouchy foot right <laughs> I don't want to be a part of the body if I can't be a hand. I'm a hand or I'm nothing. Well, that's not how it works. That's not what God created you to be. Or we can submit ourselves to the will of someone who knows better and sees higher and greater things than you or I can see. And so here, what we find is we find that we cannot change what we are designed to be. But let me also explain this to you. You don't want your head landing on the ground, do you? What if every part of the body were a head? Well, then good luck doing anything physical. Um, Because you know what happens um, if you were to take the pressure that is applied to the feet through the process of jumping and apply it to your head? It's called a concussion. It's not designed for that. Uh, but what if, what if, listen, we don't dishonor the feet for doing the dirty work, do we? We don't dishonor the feet for doing the dirty work, do we? None of us here would be ready to volunteer, take my foot if it's unnecessary. We don't dishonor the part of the body that, that does the work that needs to get done. So it is in the body of Christ. There are those that have differences in gifting, and our differences in gifting are not so that one can receive glory and that one is receiving dishonor. That's not how it works. We each receive gifts so that we can strengthen the body together so that God can be the one that receives glory. So watch watch this. We endure these things together. And then he goes into who is the body. Who is the body? Let's begin, uh, pick back up here with verse number 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Okay, so think of of, uh, your areas of sensitivity. Think of your eyes. Okay, so what happens when you get something in your eye? Good feeling, bad feeling. We don't like that, right? You get something in your eye and it just messes you up. That same speck of dirt, if it's anywhere else on your body, you don't even notice it. But once it gets into your eye, you got problems. That means the eye is unimportant. Right? No. No. It doesn't make the eye less valuable because it is a weaker part. And so he says, that's not how it works. On contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, they are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacks it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Watch this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Understand that we are a part of the same body. We are a part of the same body of believers. And so if you've ever noticed that when you have a toothache, the rest of your body, how does it feel? It's not even connected, but the rest, I mean, it is, I guess. But like the rest of your body is just, you feel terrible when your tooth is just bothering you. And you just, you can't focus. You can't, ah, everything is just so sensitive because that one, now some of you guys are holding your mouth. Sorry about that. It bothers us. It frustrates us. When one part of our physical bodies suffers, we understand that our body suffers. And yet when we step into the church, so many times we're like, oh, you know, it's too bad for poor so-and-so. All right, well, let's go. we have no compassion on those who are hurting alongside us we ought to have compassion with those but you know what else it also says is we rejoice with those who rejoice Uh, those who are honored hey we honor them we speak highly of them we look to them and we we praise god for them And so as we go about our day-to-day lives, we see that there is this more excellent way that Paul is laying out in front of us. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ. So who's the body of Christ? You, us, church, we. You are the body of Christ. And individually, members of it. And so follow me here. I am not the body of Christ. This is not a singular word. You by yourself are not the body of Christ. Um, If we were uh, to take a trip down south, um, the way this would read, if this was a southern translation of our Bible, he would say, y'all are the body of Christ. Because this is a plural word. It's not just one individual is the body of Christ. You all are, Are the body of Christ and each one members of it? Think of this with me as we conclude this, as we look at this last paragraph and wrap up our time together. Whose body are we? We are the body of Christ. When we look at the world around us and we look and we say, Where's God in this world? What's the biblical answer to that? Who's his body? We are. The church is. So if we look around in a culture and in a community and say, how is God working it? Well, where's God going to work through? His body, the church. God's going to work through his people. It's the method that God has chosen to use. Now you say, well, wouldn't it just be more effective if? That's not for you and me to say. But God has chosen to work through you and I as a part of the body. You and I are not the body, but we are members of it. We are pieces of this body. So who is the body? You are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gift of healings, helpings, administration, various kinds of tongues. And so he gives this, uh, this, this chart, this graph of some of the some of the, public, um, some of the public roles, the public gifts first. But watch what he does here. So he says to the church, first, apostles, prophets, um, apostles being those who there's an office of an apostle, as well as other places we hear of the gifts of apostleship. Um, and so that's uh, probably another topic for another time. We see prophets. And that's not only those Old Testament men who would get up and would prophesy and tell of future things. This is coming together and taking the word of God and applying it to lives And then he says not only that, but there are teachers, those who help instruct others in the truth of the word of God. And then there are miracles, gifts of healings, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. But watch what he says here in verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Uh, What's the answer to that? No. No. You see, many of you, if I said, hey, would you come up here and would you close us in prayer today? Some of you guys are getting a little anxious just thinking that I might do that to someone, right? (laughs) Some of you are like, nope, nope. uh, A pastor friend of mine, he did that one time to someone without asking. He just said, oh, so-and-so is very personable, individual, and private. And so he said, oh, so-and-so, come on up here and close us in prayer. And then went, I mean, church, auditorium filled with people. <laughs> because why? That's not your gifting. That's not your gifting. But man, you do a great job with those kids. You know who has patience for small children? Not the guy with small children, actually. <laughs> I mean, if you want, you want really frustrated Nate, lock him in the nursery for an hour. <laughs> Mm -mm. it's not happening none of you guys would want to be around me Uh, I'm going to go need I'm going to need my goldfish in peace and uh, listen you have to recover from that one but here's the thing are both of those roles necessary yeah yeah they are how many of you guys you say "Uh, I'm not even totally sure how to turn a computer on anybody in here like that Uh, I'm not totally sure how to turn a computer we got a few of you we got a few of you Um, And yet today we're reading our slides and stuff off of screens that require computers. Uh, You're hearing as a result, my voice is not gone as a result of a sound system that's able to do these things. Oh, what a wonderful thing. But can I say this? That's not your gifting probably. (laughs) If you don't know where the power button is, it's okay. We love you. There's something else that you can do. There's different gifts that are given to different people. There's different gifts that are given to others. There are different spiritual abilities. And watch what he says here as we close out this chapter. Verse 31, he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. So he says, the gifts, uh, the gifts of the apostles, of the prophets, of the teachers, uh, you, you want those gifts? He says, earnestly desire them. So he's saying, if you want to desire them, desire them how? Earnestly. Um, so do it in a, in a gracious, godly, sincere way no ulterior motives, but earnestly desire those gifts. There's nothing wrong with those gifts. But, watch what he says. And I will show you a still more excellent way. What's that excellent way that he's talking about? He's saying, you look at these gifts and you say, well, I'm the foot and I don't want to be the foot anymore. The foot stinks. I want to be something else. Okay, great. But Let me show you something more excellent still. Let me show you something that's better than being the more glorified part of the body. And then he goes right into 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 is known as the chapter of love. Now, is this love meant to be in a romantic way? No, this is talking about a love between brothers in Christ. A self-sacrificial love. And he begins this chapter, watch this. He says, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but I don't have love. So he's saying, if I get up and I am the most eloquent communicator who has ever lived, that I speak, and they say, oh, it's as if an angel has spoken to us, but I don't have love. He says, you know what I am? I'm a noisy gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. Ah, There's nothing of value. It's like noise, if that's what I am. And then he spends all of chapter 13 talking about what it looks like to love brothers and sisters in a Christian and in a mature way. So here Paul says, hey, you want to desire those higher gifts? Do it earnestly. There's nothing wrong with saying, I believe that God has called me to teach or God has called me to do these things within the church. There's nothing by itself wrong with that. But if you're doing that insincerely, I got something way better for you. Let me show you where Christian maturity is demonstrated. And here's where it's at. Christian maturity is demonstrated when we lovingly exercise whatever gift God has given to you. Lovingly exercise whatever gift God has given to you. Now notice that first word on the screen here. Lovingly. You see, when we lovingly exercise these gifts, we can pursue unity together. As we look around the room and as you look at yourself, you might say, wow, I am, uh, I'm just, you mentioned administration, leadership. I am just, that's not me. Hospitality, sure. All day, every day great lovingly exercise the gift you say whoa 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 (laughs) listen i you know randy joe those guys they greet and they do such a good job smiling shaking hands learning names i can't remember a name to save my life okay (laughs) but god's given you a gift god's given you a gift and just because your gift isn't the one oh man i could never serve god because i could never get up and talk in front of people Is that a prerequisite for serving God? Last I checked, it's not. But there are gifts that God has given, and understand this as well. We're going to give an account for how we use these gifts. He has given them to each of us for the purpose of strengthening the body to bring glory to God. You see, when a church, a body of believers comes together, and each exercises the gift that God has given to them, what we find is we find a group of people moving towards a mission together. You see, in a functioning body, there's not one part of the body that receives glory, is there? You don't don't look at uh, these talented individuals and say, wow, that hand, well, it's more than the hand, right? It's the whole body that's doing these things and that's accomplishing these works. We don't look at the body and say, wow, what an incredible member. No, that individual has the talent. And if they were missing one of the members, no matter how insignificant, it would dramatically shift and reshape the things that they're able to accomplish. And so how do we bring glory to God? We lovingly exercise these gifts, whatever one he saw fit to give to you. Guess can I tell you this? If we all had the same gifts... Church would never accomplish its mission. It would never accomplish its mission if everyone had the same gifts. It'd be a church that's very strong in one area and very weak in a lot of them. Because no one individual has all of the gifts that God has given, but instead He gives it to the individual members of the body for the purpose of bringing them together. You see, a functioning body doesn't have lone rangers, body parts that do their own thing, body parts that choose to do their own thing and don't function. We categorize that as a disability. But instead, when the body works together and functions together holistically, God receives the glory. And so this is why when we talk about serving, we serve in teams. Because teams are a part of the body within the body. Even as we look up the hand, the hand is made up of individual members, is it not? Not? Uh, There's individual members that make up each part of the body. And in each of these spaces, we have so many needs that there are and so many statistics there. You may have heard the saying that, you know, at any church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And listen, I don't know if that's true of our church. we got a church that's pretty generous about how we serve and give. But let me tell you this. God's placed you here. I believe he's done it so we can strengthen each other so that he can receive the glory. So my question for you is this, what gifts has God given to you? How are you using them within the body to strengthen others and to give God the glory? At the end of the day, watch this. It's not about what you or I can accomplish for the kingdom. It's about what we can accomplish. Paul writes this whole chapter. He doesn't say, wow, it's a good thing that you have that one guy who's just really killing it by himself. Is that what he writes? Is that what he says? That's a good thing so-and-so's there because he's really caring, y'all. No. No. He says, God's placed each of you there. It's not about what one person can accomplish. It's about what is accomplished as the body of believers gather together. And so how would God have you two respond? In what ways has God given you these spiritual gifts that you can discern and you can be able to be a part of the body? I encourage you to consider that, to pray over that, and to find a way that you can take those gifts and you can exercise those gifts within the body of Christ.